Welcome to Artful Conversations, a podcast about arts and cultural management. I'm Anita Latham. And I'm Katrina Ingram. We interview leaders who help shape the world of arts and culture, sharing their stories, insights, and observations. Welcome to Artful Conversations. I'm your host, Anita Latham, and I'm here today with Sanjay Sahani, Executive Director of the Edmonton Arts Council. Welcome, Sanjay. Thank you so much. Sanjay, you've had an interesting background that spans arts production, particularly theatre and film, and roles in setting policy and funding at city, provincial and federal levels, and you've also served as an educator. Um, Can you tell us more about how your past experience led you to Edmonton and to the role that you now hold as Executive Director at the EAC? Um, So um, that's a fairly uh, long question, but um, it's been, I've been very fortunate actually, uh, because the journey has been, uh, not only has it been interesting, but it's also been a journey that's opened up new, new worlds to me. So um, I started off in India, um, really quite wedded to the idea of becoming a filmmaker. And uh, I was again, quite lucky that... uh, I was able to get some real experience at a very young age. Um, I had the opportunity of of assisting, um, a, a, you know, a young filmmaker. Um, uh, I I was uh, uh, sort of promoted to assistant director without doing very much, but uh, this was on a nationally televised um, uh, series called called A Journey Through the Universe, which uh, was looking at. Um, uh, creating a space for the broad population of India to understand scientific concepts. Okay. And so they were using um, Hindu mythology, uh, particularly um, as it related to astrophysics and, and uh, sort of concepts in the physical sciences, um, to try and get people across the country um, to understand some of the some of the more difficult and abstract ideas uh, that that uh, one had to go to school for. So this was uh, in the eighties, and uh, it was quite it was quite phenomenal for me to be there because it was shot on on sort of thirty five millimeter film. Uh, very few people actually had that kind of opportunity to do that, and also I think it was interesting because it it exposed me to the, to the genre of docudrama, which is not a very common sort of genre. Um, This led me to go to Czechoslovakia to study film. And so I was in Prague in the 80s during during socialist times. So it was a very interesting time to be there. Uh, Change was imminent, but it was not apparent. Yes, right. And so um, it was great to be at the film school and and to, to actually learn the craft of filmmaking. But more importantly, it was really fantastic to be immersed in an in an environment that valued artists and valued the process of making art um and so they didn't treat film as a commercial medium at all so it was very different uh because the most of the uh most of the focus was on uh, understanding film as a um you know as as a form that needed to be explored for for aesthetic and for for sort of artistic reasons um uh, and I, I just imagined that I would go back home and I would, I would start my career as a filmmaker. Um, I did go back home, but it didn't result in in a in a big uh, sort of uh, sort of lengthy career as a filmmaker. I, I worked for a couple of years and then came to Canada um, 
to do some graduate work, um, not in film, but in education. Uh, Queen's University in Kingston um, had an MED program that was a research degree and allowed people to come in um, who had very little to do with education, which was kind, which was interesting again, and so gave me this kind of uh, uh, opportunity to do some interdisciplinary work. And I uh, made a documentary film as my thesis, which was the first of its kind. In, right, in, in fantastic. Kingston. So that was quite an uncommon thing to do as a thesis to create a film. It was uncommon, um, barring the art history department, which um, allowed for visuals and slides and so on right. in their theses. A film had never actually been considered as a as an alternative to a traditional thesis as a research document. And so I, I, I made a film um, and I made a film on uh, um, sort of cultural attitudes to disability and people with, with disabilities. This connection came about because uh, my parents were very involved in the rehab movement in India and uh, I had nice. been associated in, on an international project. And so uh, that got me then interested in, in sort of justifying why film could be used as a research medium, got me interested in, in anthropology. And I went and did a sort of MA in anthropology at York. And then that led to a PhD and, and so on. And so my, 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 my career trajectory uh, into becoming the executive director of the Edmonton Arts Council is, is not the regular trajectory. I, in, 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 all of this, uh, in, in, in all of this work and my studies and everything, I never actually gave up practicing art. I never gave up um, uh, the connection to art. And it was only after I came back to Canada because I'd gone to the States to do my PhD when I came back um, that I got uh, uh, immersed in, in the actual production of art. And that's where I did some theater and, and I did some more right. film. Um, and the opportunity of actually getting involved in policy just came about um, because the Ontario Arts Council hired me um, okay. to, to look at their, their, their office that funded community-based art. And uh, that led me to actually expand the mandate of that office and uh, uh, create some policy and some programs for artists who are doing non-traditional work uh, outside of their own, own disciplines. So artists that were doing multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary work. Right, yes. And uh, uh, that sort of allowed me, gave me a peek into what, uh, you know, the, the kinds of things that could be made possible for artists who are working on the margins and working not in in uh, established disciplines. Yes. And uh, so so that that kind of that kind of opportunity sort of drew drew uh, on my educational, my scholarly, as well as my 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 artistic practice, right? And so, um, be becoming an arts administrator just happened by accident. It it didn't happen by design. Oh, look, so. I think that's fantastic, and it really shows that. I think for a lot of arts administrators, it becomes um, a journey, a journey in, in one direction and another. And I think it's, um, I like the fact that you've mentioned the ability to embrace the journey as you're going along. Now, let's talk more specifically about uh, the Arts Council. Can you, for us, expand uh, on the mission and the mandate for the council in terms of the role it plays in our artistic community here in Edmonton? So the Edmonton Arts Council um, really has quite a, a broad mandate, but 
the origin of the Arts Council is very interesting. It came about because artists in Edmonton uh, really were coming into their own and were were unhappy with the way decisions were being made at City Hall when it came to funding funding their um, you know projects. At the same time, I think there was uh, there was all across the country. Um, since the birth of the Canada Council in the late 50s and then all the provincial arts councils, including the Alberta Foundation for the Arts, um, there was a real um, development of the community at large. And Edmonton, as an urban center, um, had, a, had a sort of concentration of, of professional artists, um, had some really, really good training programs at the U of A and at, at uh, sort of Grand McEwen. And I think artists felt the need that in order for their work to be supported, they needed to have the independence from political or other influences. And so the Edmonton Arts Council came about uh, because of that. And so very early on in its evolution and in its mission, uh, the, the focus was on, on freeing up um, funding from any kind of political interference and, and putting funding into the hands of artists uh, through a peer review process. And so uh, that that uh, practice of peer review, which is so fundamental to artistic creation, uh, the idea of critique and, and creation and, and uh, that, that method um, had become quite widely respected, not just in the academic circles, but also in, in artistic circles itself. So um, the mandate then focuses on on uh, on on uh, how we invest in our community. It focuses on how we develop our community. It focuses on how the art is connected to an audience, and obviously focuses on uh, how the arts council could become um, the body that actually brokers this very delicate relationship between the community and 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 the city. Um, and so. Uh, that's 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 the mandate and so in order to realize that mandate um you know it it, it requires a, a sort of sort of periodic reassessment uh but also it requires a, a a really open transparent and close relationship with the community that it serves and over time the arts council um, has not only developed the community of artists in Edmonton, but over time it's also uh, had a hand to play in how art is received uh, by Edmontonians. And it's also had now, it's also having, and it's also had um, a, a, a sort of influence on uh, uh, sort of arts policy provincially and nationally, because we do have connections uh, with with other arts councils across the country. Yeah, that, that leads really nicely into um, talking about the strategic planning that's currently occurring here in Edmonton. You inherited a 10-year strategic plan called The Art of Living, and that was developed in tw- um, 2008, and it's just coming to its natural evolution and end, end this year. Um, can you tell us a bit about the thinking and the direction of that plan and more so what you th- your thinking is in relation to the highlights that have been part of that plan right so the art of living was was foundational and it was fundamental to the development of of artistic activity in Edmonton um, I I, uh, I think I think about it that way because it actually established um, 
structures. So it established companies and it established galleries and it established uh, artistic activity in an organizational sense, but it also enabled a, a number of, of artists in different disciplines. So was it to the, have first, the freedom. first ever plan like that in Edmonton? I, so Edmonton has had other uh, attempts at, um, at actually developing cultural policy. Uh, but this was the first formally accepted right. plan. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's a plan which over a period of 10 years has achieved uh, a lot. And whether you look at our festivals and you look at how vibrant our festivals are, from the smallest festival to the largest, you know, being the Fringe and, yes. and Folk Festival and so on, or you look at creation-based um, sort of companies in the performing arts, or you look at galleries, um, I think there is there is no doubt now when you come to Edmonton that you can see that the artistic ecology in Edmonton not only is it is it um, um, fitting for an urban center, but it's very diverse. It's a very diverse ecology, and <clears throat> it reflects how the city has changed. So we have organizations with mandates. Um, that are driven by the art form, but also mandates that are that are specific to to specific communities. So we have we have now a, a growing uh, sort of um, you know community of of you know culturally diverse artists. We have we have uh, many indigenous artists who've made many contributions, um, and at the same time we have our large organizations and our uh, medium-sized organizations that are constantly finding new ways of, of engaging artists from, from different disciplines and different backgrounds, as well as reaching new audiences, because the work of actually reaching new audiences is never over. You know, you yes, may be a very yeah, successful yeah. company or a very successful gallery, but, but if you stop looking at uh, new audiences... Um, and how you can engage them, you're not going to be evolving in your own mission and mandate of how you how you develop the art form. So that's fantastic, and that's um, it's it's a great summary of kind of the the last ten year journey, and I think it's an exciting um, journey that that Edmonton's gone on, and to put some shape around something that at times you know the, the value of culture at times is a tricky thing to mm -hmm. to put in a concept of a strategic plan mm -hmm. so i think it's an it's an interesting journey they've gone on and it's an exciting journey that they're embracing it moving forward um in past interviews with the media you've talked about the role of the edmonton arts council as it being central to city building mm -hmm. Um, can you expand a bit on that and talk about what you feel is EAC's relationship with the city mm -hmm. and how the strategic plan kind of is going to intersect with that as we evolve and grow as a city? So that's a really good question. Um, so we have a very we are quite fortunate that we have we have a really good relationship, a very strong relationship with the city. Um, Edmonton, I think, is probably the only city in the country that has um, quite self-consciously uh, not had a cultural services department. So even though the EAC is um, an independent not-for-profit organization, 
the city of Edmonton has devolved responsibility and given given that to the EAC, to, to Shepherd. So and for so, our organisational students, would you call the EAC an arm-length organisation from the city? Um, it's arm's length from the city, but it's not an it's not a body of the city. Right. Yes. So there's a little bit of a yes, difference. Um, uh, so it's arm's length, uh, but it's it's sometimes referred to as an agency of the city, right. as an agent of the city. Yes. We have a service agreement with the city of Edmonton, um, and both politically as well as in terms of the city administration, the Edmonton Arts Council and its role in the development of the city is is something that is is um looked at not as not as something that is peripheral but as something that is integral and with this new plan um we want to make that we want to make that relationship stronger because the city of edmonton um is also embarking on a 10 year strategic plan mm. which uh will come into effect in 2019 we are also embarking on a 10-year plan. Now, this I just need to make it clear that the 10-year plan that we're building for Arts and Heritage um, is not an EAC plan. It's a plan for the city of Edmonton. Right. And so that's the difference. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we are going to take this opportunity to actually, um, uh, you know, see how the plan overlaps and intersects with various... Uh, goals of the city um we all know that that uh that the arts are you know sort of not only important because they 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 feed your soul and 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 they give you sort of individual um you know a sense of individuality and a sense of creativity but the arts are important because they 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 give us a sense of who we are as a people but also give us a sense of the place and identity and and a sense of community and so within those spheres, I think uh, that the 10-year the Arts and Heritage Plan will, will find it fairly, um, it'll be fairly easy to actually intersect with some of the broad goals of the city. I want to also tell you that as we, as we embarked on this 10-year plan, we, we, um, we wanted to ensure that certain principles were were really foundational to the plan. And so those principles will carry on and will continue into, at the end, even even after the plan is built, that they will actually inform, the, you know, whatever, uh, the, you know, sort of whatever happens in the nine months. We have four, we have four core principles that actually underpin this plan. Yeah. The first one is um, the principle of inclusion. And it's really important that this principle of inclusion is is well understood and is is well anchored and embedded. Uh, so we want to make sure that the city of Edmonton is is uh, is is a place that welcomes and uh, uh, and enables and allows people to come and participate in artistic expression. Okay. Well, so is that how you would define inclusion? Um, it's it's uh, it's a definition that is that actually is um, in formation. We are, we are going out into the community and, and, and consulting directly with the community, yes. which will happen next month. But um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a value and it's a principle that ensures that no one in this city um, uh, will ever feel that they are not part of something. Uh, this is a big city uh, kind of principle 
but for the arts, I want to make sure that um, that that uh, you could be an artist from any background, any in any discipline with any practice. There will always be a place for you in our ecology. Same same thing with heritage. Uh, so that's one principle. The other principle that's important for us is around leadership and excellence because we're starting the plan this year, but the people who will lead us are now in their 20s and 30s. And so the plan has to be built for them, yes. not for people like us, yeah. right? So we have, to have the, the, we have to have the foresight to think about a plan, which I think of sometimes as a policy document, sometimes as a more practical document that has recommendations. Uh, but it, it must be something that is more than the sum of its parts. Yes. And, and part of this work is to be able to is to be able to project that foresight. So uh, excellence and leadership and innovation are, are uh, intertwined principles, which, which are also core to this plan. The third principle, I think, which is really important is, is the one, is, is, is a principle around collective responsibility. So not only is the plan for the arts and heritage sectors, uh, and uh, is it focused on those sectors, but we want to inculcate this value of collective responsibility because it is an, it is a city of Edmonton plan. So everyone in, Ed, uh, in, in Edmonton needs to be collectively responsible uh, for the arts and for heritage. Yeah. And then finally, the fourth principle is, is, is around economic security of the arts. Yes. And so this principle really goes right to the heart of why the EAC exists in some ways is to ensure that our artists and our arts professionals um, can make a living wage and can contribute and are treated and valued as professionals in any other field. And so we want to make sure that arts organizations and festivals and other kinds of structures that, that, that receive you know, public support are able to value the, the people who are making the art, who are actually producing the art and who are presenting and connecting the art. Yeah, fantastic. Um, we one of the things that um, is interesting as we move forward with the strategic planning process, and um, is how how do you f feel the new plan sits alongside the um, Canada Council idea of creative cities and that kind of concept of you know filling spaces with placemaking things and things like that? So um, I think, again, that qu question is really Im important because the Edmonton Arts Council, uh, besides um, having um, a mission to work with artists and arts organizations, we also have um, responsibility over public art. And uh, again, we are one of the few, I think, in the country that actually has this this responsibility. Yeah. Uh, we are presently in uh, in conversation with uh, the city administration uh, as they review the the sort of public art policies. Yes. Um, and I think what we're hoping for is that the Arts Council not only um, becomes an administrator of um, all the city policies, particularly the percent for art policy, which which enables us to commission um, new art for the city on behalf of the city. Um, and it's tied to eligible construction costs of new capital projects. Yes. But we are hoping that that, more, that the Edmonton Arts Council 
will also uh, have more um, oversight and more responsibility um, around the artistic planning of of public art. So not only uh, would be we be responsible for individual projects um, and sort of public art projects and the installation of public art, but I think the curatorial as well as the the sort of conservation pieces yes. that that are that are currently um, in our responsibility, um, the interaction between that work and the artistic community and the public. I think if we if we have uh, more more of a um, overall kind of control and and responsibility, um, we will be able to connect the city and uh, use placemaking. Um, in a really effective and and really innovative and creative way. Yeah, fantastic. And you mentioned before the percentage for art policy. Um, what are some of the major works that have been funded through this policy, through the program? Um, so we have, at the moment, we have 232 works that are completed and installed. But we have many more coming in, in the pipeline. So some of the more major, major projects um, uh, that have been done are, uh, you know, people in Edmonton often talk about it as a, as a controversial project. But in fact, it's now um, really uh, become part of, part of the psyche of, of, of anybody who lives in Edmonton. Um, obviously, I'm sort of referring to the Talis Dome. And uh, there was lots of controversy around it when it was first installed. Um, but over time, as with all public art, over time it becomes a part of who you are, because it 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 makes a space yes. uh, a place, yeah. right? And so the t- the sort of talus dome is um, on the white mud in a nondescript place, but now people are quite proud of it. In fact, now there are lots of it. It's uh, appearing in commercials and so on. So that obviously is is one of my favorites. Um, mo- more recently. Uh, we, uh, you know, with the opening of sort of Rogers Place, uh, the, you know, the new arena, um, um, there's a there's a magnificent work by Alex Janvier. Mm. It's it's a, it's it's a mosaic in in uh, in Ford Hall, and it's it's um, I mean it's it's an abstract, but it actually is reflective of what Edmonton is um, from a physical standpoint. So from from the seasons but also what Edmonton has become in terms of its sort of diversity. So there is, you know, there is that sense of uh, a place in a, in a, in a sporting arena, but it re- it's at this, in the center of Edmonton and it actually gives you a sense of what Edmonton is becoming. Um, those are some of the big iconic pieces. Yes. The, there are other pieces like the Willow, which is in in um, in sort of Borden Park. It's much yeah. more interactive and playful, and um, lots of children love going into it and climbing it and so on. Uh, there's a more recent uh, piece by um, Pierre Poussin called um, Esprit, which is in. Uh, Alex Dakota Park on 105th Street. And uh, again, a really important piece, uh, not only because it's important in terms of its formal uh, significance um, as as a piece of art, but also important because it marks uh, a a part of of sort of downtown Edmonton uh, with the name of of Alex Dakota, who not only represented Canada in the Olympics, but also was the first Indigenous officer in the RCMP. Oh, wow. And so there is, you know, there are those kinds of things. Yeah. We we have, uh, we've also commissioned, so those are some of the, 
some of the big big pieces that are, that sort of resonate with me, and many of them are three dimensional. But we also have some really really interesting murals, like um, like the sort of pillars of the community mural just outside the arena, yeah. which which is a representation of the people living um, in in that neighborhood. Uh, so you know it's it's at all levels and uh, uh, each each of these pieces in its own way has created uh, and and marked a really um, uh, strong sense of place yes which yeah. I think is what public art really is it's it's a it's when you can actually enjoy um, or or be provoked by or you know feel a, a range of emotions um, when you're going about your regular business. So you don't have to go to a gallery or you don't have to go to a special place. The place that public art rests in becomes a special place and connects you to your to your city and to your community in a way that that happens on a daily basis. Yes, yeah. Uh, without without a self-conscious kind of yeah. intentional way of looking at it as a viewer. Yeah, there, there's certainly um, value in that cultural encounter that that you have when you move around um, the space that you live in and work and breathe and I think is critical to um, I believe is critical to us as human beings and essential to our lives really yeah. um, those things so how do you balance the growth of new and existing arts organizations with the ever-growing requests for funding mm -hmm. against the budget realities, what does the process look like for EAC as they go through that? Um, so, I, I mean, it has, um, I mean, we, we have a fairly, um, uh, you know, a fairly tried and trusted system of peer review. Um, this process has given us the opportunity of actually uh, going directly and speaking to Edmontonians, including artists, um, I think I I think uh, it's going to be really interesting to see um, how we can not only think about how we invest new funds, uh, which we hope to uh, gain through this process, but I think it's going to be interesting to see if there are new ways to partner and collaborate to ensure that we are able to leverage um, other resources, um, because no public funder. Um, will ever have the funds to fund everyone. And so it's, I don't think it's ever not going to be a competitive process. Yes. Uh, but, but I think it's important that we, we think about investments and funding as a really important piece, but not the only piece. We think about it um, in relationship to the work that the Arts Council can do around um, inclusion, around capacity building, around um, ensuring that our artists are well-equipped, uh, not just to apply to us for funding, but to, uh, to be successful. So, you know, public art uh, is, a, is a prime example. Um, that There is public art happening all over the world. Um, and there's no reason why Edmonton artists should not be successful in Toronto or in Calgary or in Vancouver, Montreal, or in, even in Auckland. I mean, that, that, there's no reason why that can't happen. And I think the Arts Council has a, has a role to play in ensuring that our services to the community are, are, are impactful, are valuable, and are there to ensure that the professional careers of our artists and our arts organizations um, 
are are supported. Um, so th- there is that aspect. And then, as I spoke earlier, there's the aspect of actually developing and building partnerships to ensure that not only do we partner with other public funders, uh, but we f- take opportunities and we seek out new opportunities to partner with foundations, with other non-traditional um, you know, partners, um, as well as um, you know, organizations in the community. So how do you, as the executive director, when you're talking into City Hall, um, na- navigate really that budget stuff of, uh, on behalf of artists and, um, and the arts being a priority against uh, the other priorities for the city? How's that navigation process done for you? I think in some ways um, we we see ourselves as partners with the city. So um, we don't think of ourselves as being outside, um, having to go and bang on the door yep. to get money. I think we are a priority. And the question then becomes, um, if we are a priority for the city of Edmonton, um, you know, what can we do to uh, to help them understand why we are a priority, why are artists and arts organizations and the health of, of artists and arts organizations, why should they become a priority? What is the role of art in society? I mean, these are big questions, and these, but these are questions that our, our community of uh, arts organizations, festivals, and individual artists, they're dealing with these questions every single day. And so yes. I mentioned the values that inform the building of the plan, one of the values is economic security. And the other value that I mentioned was collective responsibility. So um, being able to actually um, uh, demonstrate the impact of investments is a key factor. It's going to become more and more important as we move along. Uh, there's, there is a lot of focus uh, as governments prioritize. Uh, there's a lot of focus on the idea that investments need to be evidence-based. And the arts um, are not part of that analytical realm of, you know, nobody creates art because it's a service. You create art because you're compelled to create art. You're an artist. You are compelled by something political, cultural, whatever it is. And you're compelled by that. Um, There is, there's no explanation for inspiration and beauty. It's something that resides within us. And so how do we translate that into some outcomes that the city um, could actually see clearly um, as to what the arts are doing for our neighborhoods, what the arts are doing for social cohesion, what the arts are doing for more intercultural understanding, the role of artists in ensuring that people, uh, you know, feel that they're living in a creative community um, is really key. And so one of the things that we are hoping will happen through this uh, through this process that that we are using to build the next ten year plan, is that we will have um, the uh, you know best practices from around the world around innovative cultural policy, um, around uh, really innovative planning processes, um, new models of outcome based investing. There's a bunch of different things that we have commissioned as part of this uh, process that we we hope we will get through it. And so, so that's, I think, going to allow us to, to create a narrative that convinces City Council and the people of Edmonton as to why the arts should not just be 
uh, important to the quality of life, but that the, why the arts are fundamental to how we think of ourselves as Edmonton and how we're going to become an Edmonton over the next 10 years. Yeah. That, is, that is different, dynamic, um, entrepreneurial, um, creative, you know, all of the things that the city wants to be and wants to be known by. How do you plan to reach populations that are traditionally underserviced and underrepresented? Um, you know, for example, you've mentioned in the past opportunities to reach the newcomers and opportunities around Indigenous issues. Uh, what, is, what will the EAC be doing to engage these communities as we move forward? So, I mean, there'll be multiple multiple ways of engagement through this planning process. So, uh, we have uh, we have we're just about to roll out um, all the sort of public facing sessions. Um, I think we should be able to put that out onto our uh, onto our website, and there will be a, a sort of dedicated website too. Um, so there'll be in person consultations with uh, with the people of Edmonton. So there will probably be around 25 of these sessions. Um, uh, there will be a, there will be 12 sessions in every ward of the city. So these broad uh, sort of public consultations. There will be specific sessions with the arts community and the heritage community. Um, but then we, we are also uh, mindful that not everybody is comfortable coming to these things. And so we are working very hard to ensure that we do have um, uh, various engagement strategies that will allow for people to come out. We also have a significant digital component, uh, which will be interactive. So it's not just about uh, sending in your thoughts, yes. but there will be an interactive component. Um, I'm not a very digital savvy person, so I can't really explain that to you. But, That's all right. but the people we've hired are, yes. very, are, are experts in it, so they will do that. Um, we also have a, a particular um, focus and a particular um, um, interest in ensuring that Indigenous uh, people who live within Edmonton and who live around Edmonton in the region um, are included because Edmonton is, is, is an urban centre that, that has Indigenous artists that come and go. They may not live in Edmonton, but they do do all their work in Edmonton. And so we're just finalising plans to engage um, various indigenous groups um, and, and and First Nations and the Métis and the Inuit um, in Edmonton as well as uh, in communities around Edmonton. And so the idea again there is to ensure that that the relationships that we build through this process are able to continue on because building the plan is one thing. We know that it has to happen by by... December, I have to appear before city council with the finished plan to get approval and so on. But the work of the EAC never ends. So the the EAC is committed to to ensuring that Indigenous artists in the city have all the opportunities. We are also uh, committed to principles of equity. Our, our um, board of directors um, um, has instituted an equity policy, which came about after we did an audit. Uh, of all our programs and services. Um, and so these are long-term commitments, which which are based on building uh, deep and enduring relationships. Yes. They're not one-off things, and we don't think of them as one-off things. Uh, you know, the road to, act, the road to 
to achieving full equity, which some would say is equality, is a road that is not just the, that that the Arts Council is going to do. It has to happen on multiple levels. It has to happen with government, has to happen with business, and obviously it has to happen within the community. So as a member of the Edmonton community, I mean, the, the you know, the arts and heritage community, we are very mindful that the work around equity in the arts and equity in heritage, these are things that are going to require uh, deep commitment and they're going to require um, ongoing um, uh, sort of consultation and ongoing sustenance. We can't take anything for granted. In relation to the new plan, as we're moving forward with new, what are some of the new directions or issues that um, you're trying to advance with the new plan? You know, we've talked about partnerships and uh, public art and the value of culture and those kind of things. Um, from EAC's perspective, what kind of new directions and issues are they wanting to advance with the new plan that we as a city get to embrace and we'll and we'll see you know when we're five years down the track in the plan what will that kind of look for us as a city around those ideas that you want to advance so i think i think um most arts organizations and festivals um one of the challenges they have is um around audience development and and connecting the art to new audiences so we want to make sure that what the art of living has achieved is that it's achieved a kind of diverse and interesting and stable arts infrastructure. But now we need to make sure that it's resilient, it's strong, and it also has, um, you know, the resources to to find new ways to innovate in terms of, um, you know, disseminating the art. So we need to make sure that artists have the right resources and the tools to connect the art to their audience or to find a new audience. Yes. Um, that so so engagement is a really important piece and engagement um, and funding uh, how we how we invest and, and fund engagement is going to be really important uh, because we want to make sure that that art is part of our daily lives not just a special thing that you do yeah. once every week or once yes, a month yeah. and so that's important um, we also want to make sure that Edmonton artists are connected. Uh, as a community to communities of artists outside of Edmonton. And and I talked a little bit about how artists could become more successful in commissions, uh, you know, public art commissions. But I think it's also important to um, to be able to um, to be able to support artists who want to collaborate outside of their city um, and want to collaborate with artists abroad. It's also important for us to be able to support uh, artists who want to tour the work. You know, and who want yeah. to take the work outside the sort of, you know, borders of Edmonton. Uh, because very often um, when you take the work to a new audience, uh, it changes you as an artist mm. when you come back. And we want to be able to support that because we want to be able to support a community that is that is not isolated, um, uh, but is open and is is able to do the work it needs to do. And is recognized uh, nationally and internationally for the quality of the work they do. Um, if we don't do that, uh, we're never going to have a, a view of ourselves as being part of something greater than what we are. Yes, yeah. that's really important. Yeah, you know, the feeling of inclusion yes. into a bigger world yeah. is really important. Um, 
so you know these are some of the these are some of the areas which I think um, the EAC um, has over time with the implementation of the art of living. It's becoming clear to us that these are some of the things that now our arts community is looking for us to to give them some leadership and to support. And so my my hope is that with with the with these consultations we will hear some 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 of this, but we'll also hear new and innovative ways yeah. that the arts council could could intervene and support and um, create the space for some really interesting stuff to happen. Fantastic. Um, I guess one of the interesting questions is always that around we are such a fast changing world and everything is accelerating and changing at such a rapid pace. Um, how do you create a long-term view that's a 10-year plan and develop policies now and to ensure that they stay relevant and over the over the lifespan of 10 years so i think the 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 shortest answer to that is is that we have to be not just reactive and responsive but we have to anticipate yes and so the plan is like a policy document uh, which is going to have some broad directions and some specific recommendations for sure but i think it's up to the arts council to ensure that we are never out of touch. And so part of this work, um, because we are, um, our, our city follows a four-year budget cycle, because uh, there's elections every four years, yes, yes. Uh, we have two and a half budget cycles over a 10-year period. And, uh, you know, it's, it's in between those budget cycles that we are going to be able to test our ideas, um, test our systems, test our mechanisms of support and investment and partnership. But we can only do that if we listen. So we have to be open to listening. We have to be open to um, doing some serious evaluation and some serious uh, introspection from time to time. But we also have to listen and take advice. And so I am confident because we we run... Um, all our funding decisions are made on a peer review system. I'm confident that we are used to listening. The question is that we can't become complacent. Yes. We have to act on what we hear. Yeah. And so far, we have been a fairly nimble, fairly flexible, and a fairly um, sort of intrepid kind of organization. As we grow uh, with the new plan, um, uh, that always becomes a challenge. So as the executive director of the Arts Council, I have to ensure that we have the right people and we have the right approach. Um, and we're constantly questioning, you know, our own approach to how we connect with the community. Because if we don't, um, there is, there is a, a, the danger of becoming too good at what you do. And just because you're efficient and just because you do it for less money doesn't mean that you're having the same impact. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to uh, expand your impact and if you want your community to, to develop and grow and foster innovation and all of those things, you have to be willing to, to do the same for yourself. Fantastic. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add to our conversation before we wrap up? 
No, I'm just um, just want to thank you for for inviting me. I think you know I've gone on and on about lots of <laughs> That's things. That's wonderful. But uh, it's, it's great. But one of the other kind of areas of of interest that um, fascinates me is with the closeness of St Albert and Sherwood Park. Um, when EAC looks at that from a supporting supporting artists who also then have a regional reach. How does that kind of how do you navigate that space between what are really two other cities that are mm-hmm. pretty much in your back pocket and the EAC is funding for Edmonton. Edmonton, but some of our artists may come to EAC with a regional outreach concept. And I think that's those are those are really interesting questions. Um and you know, I, I think the city of Edmonton is becoming much more focused on ensuring that the region prospers and the region develops. And so there are, again, opportunities for partnerships where we could do a portion of our, our investment, not necessarily um, taking, you know, investing money in Sherwood Park, but there is so much of a back and forth between yes, artists, yeah. as you've just explained, that maybe there are ways to actually find new solutions to that, working with our colleagues in Sherwood Park and in, in St. Albert and, and other places. Um, there's also an interesting question um, around, because we are, we, are, we are part of Treaty 6, and Treaty 6, you know, boundaries like Edmonton, and these are artificial boundaries. Yes. And we know that Indigenous artists are often have relationships outside of Edmonton within the Treaty 6 yes. area. And so we want to make sure that we, we're we not losing opportunities of, of uh, supporting the development of Indigenous art and Indigenous artists who have those relationships. So these are challenges from a policy standpoint. But I think more importantly, these are good challenges to have because that means that there is a vibrancy and there is a true exchange of, of people coming and going that are contributing directly to to the health of our city and to the sort of the you know the the, the creative life of our city yeah. right so so these are good questions these have all these questions have been um, on our mind um, and I'm confident that I have a team of, of 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 people at the Edmonton Arts Council who not only are smart and capable but I also know that um, I have yet to meet anybody uh, in my team who is not willing to explore uh, something new and who's not willing to explore a new partnership or a new relationship. So, you know, these are challenges that we will have to take into account. Uh, but these definitely are things that are on the radar and that we will we will definitely um, uh, take very seriously. Like, it's not something that we'll ignore. Yeah. Sanjay, thank you for your time. I really thank appreciate you. it. And um, it's always wonderful hearing directly about the exciting things that are happening in the city and um, all the best as you move forward with the plan and implement the outcomes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. It's Katrina here. Anetta, that was an amazing interview that you did with Sanjay. Wow, I'm really impressed. Yeah, it's fantastic that he is here in Edmonton and leading our Arts Council. I think we have a lot to learn from him and his engagement in our community and and focused on our community is absolutely incredible.
Absolutely. And I think one of the highlights for me was a discussion around the strategic plan. He originally inherited a strategic plan, and now he's in the midst of creating a new one. Yeah, interesting place for a, a new leader to be in because the person he's inherited that plan from also had that role for a very long time. And I like the way he explained how the new one, they're really trying to reach into the community so that the community of Edmonton has a real say on how our arts funding is going to be allocated and what it looks like and the shape of that. And that consultation with the community and developing a strategic plan, I think, is critical. Absolutely. And he even made that distinction. It's not an Edmonton Arts Council plan. It's a plan for the city of Edmonton. So I think that was an important point. Yeah, very important. And it will be exciting to see the outcomes of that plan once it becomes a practicing model for all of us. Now, as an Edmontonian, one of the things that I really loved was his description about the various pieces of public art in Edmonton, and in particular, the Talus Dome, which was quite controversial at first, but now it's just a part of who we are. And this idea of being connected to a place, to our city, while going about our everyday lives, I think is really powerful. And I really liked your phrase about the cultural encounter. Yeah, cultural encounters are really important in our world. And, you know, public art is one way we do that. And I think it's really exciting when we have things out there that are public art or cultural engagement that we knock across in our daily lives and it enriches who we are as people and so cultural encounters are really important to how we connect with our community how we connect with our space and how we kind of live our daily lives really Um, and one of the other things that cultural encounters impact on is the economy so when you start talking about money which is what Sanjay kind of talked about and how you get more funding for things. And like you said, the Dome was um, hotly debated in its time. But it's when people understand cultural encounters, they understand the importance of putting money behind things because they enrich lives and they improve lives. Absolutely. It's something tangible because I think in a lot of cases, art can feel really ephemeral and you don't really get that sense of experiencing it. So something like the Talus Dome or other public art pieces really gives it a sense of concreteness. And when Sandra is going to city council and arguing for money for the arts versus funding money for filling potholes, it really gives him something, a platform to stand on and really express that point of view. Yeah, very much so. And I think one of the other things that he mentioned that I just want to cover quickly was that the Edmonton Arts Council is a peer jury which is fantastic because it means that the artists in this community and the arts organisations in this community are supporting each other and focused on the best outcome for the entire community in relation to the arts, which I think was incredibly important. It's a great point, and it really gives the artist a voice in the process, which, as you say, is a very important uh, aspect of what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Great learning for all of us. This show was created by executive producer Annetta Latham, producer Katrina Ingram, technical producer Paul Johnston, research assistant Rael Lockwood, theme music by Emily DeFour, and cover art by Constanza Pasher. Artful Conversations is a production of McEwen University, all rights reserved. <laughs>